Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. We are over-caffeinated and underprepared, as usual. I'm here with my co-host, Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Mary Catherine. Good, Thank good. you for asking. I don't know if you can tell because I have the headphones, which, you know, are on my head. But I did get a haircut. You got your ears lowered. I Yes, I do. Why is that a thing? I'm not. That's like a real grandpa line, right that's there. That's what they say when the thing you're yeah. wearing the cans is that no, what it means? No, when you get your haircut, oh, you, you get your, your hair your ears lowered. Yeah, I don't know why okay, that's a I've thing. I've actually not heard that one. Um, <laughs> you're, but not, I, you're not old enough for that reference. No, no, no. <laughs> Even for me, that's slightly before my just one generation off. But I got my hair cut on Sunday because I got my passport photo taken today. Ah, uh, how did it go? I liked it. I went to the post office. Believe it or not, I didn't get to the UPS, but I may go to UPS later today. In which case, I might get a backup. Look, I, I swear by it. I think we've talked about it on the show before. Ted at the UPS is going to be doing my headshots from here on out because he did a fantastic job. He did such a good job that whenever I travel internationally from here on out, everyone You're at gonna Customs go is going to be like, ma'am, you are not as cute as this photo. We need to... Not true, everyone. Not true, that. listeners. Not true. <laughs> no, I, I like the photo the way it turned out. It's, it's, it's practically obituary worthy. Oh my gosh, what? Yeah. That good. I, I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> Jennifer's about to laugh. It's true. <laughs> Please. when they Like, usually you find these photos that are so, like, See, I awful. I don't think of it that way. Please I don't use that one of me, like, with a glass of wine in my hand, like, hey, having a great time, you know. I always, but that's, I always think of it as not an obituary photo, but uh, but my missing persons Oh, missing photo. persons, too. Yeah. yeah. And murder suspect. So, I have been waiting. If it goes that way. Yeah. Use the best photo anyway. Might as well own it. I have been waiting for this photo for 10 years. Right. My goodness. I think the last, I was thinking about this, the last good passport photo I had was in 1977. Okay. And we were going to the Philippines. And so I was just a, a very small kid. I was right. like maybe four. And since then, it's just been one horror show after another. And the <laughs> la the hair hair issues, like hairstyle issues, I wasn't mm -hmm. sure. I did, a, I did a passport photo once where I had a t-shirt and then I had this denim, blue denim shirt on top. I look like an escaped inmate. Oh yeah, that's a look. Yeah. If you're not careful with the neckline there. I didn't realize yeah. that with the blue the white and the blue. You didn't do the top button and let the rest oh, open, no. did you? Because no. that's no, a very no, no, specific... no. This was taken still at San Quentin. Okay. Um, and then the, and then the last one I had, which was taken in twenty that would be twenty thirteen. I had too many things on, like you know, like the the, the blazer and everything. So my neck is really not mm -hmm. there. And I look You were you were too layered that time. Yeah, and it, like I look like I kinda have gas. <laughs> So this is the moment I've been waiting for. Okay. And I gave the, the look, like, because you're not allowed to smile, right? Well, you can't so smile. this is what I... I kind of smile. I like, do not enjoy... You smise. A little That's bit. what that is. Oh, yes. That's a Tyra Banks term nice. for modeling that you have clearly mastered. Smile with your eyes? Smile with your eyes. You oh, have smize. Yeah. Because Tyra's a lot of great. times, a lot of times models are not smiling, as you know. And if you've watched ANTM, any of the cycles of the 47 there have been, <laughs> you know... That models are not always smiling, but they need to engage with the camera. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you have to smize. Smize. Well, I'm not going to lie. I practiced the smize <laughs> before. The only problem is she took it from a distance at the post office, and I had to take my glasses off. You can't wear glasses. I can barely see where the lens is. So my eyes are a little bit off focus, but I hope they accept it. I think you'll be all right. Okay, good. And my, my kids' picks went through, and one of them was four months old. So I think you'll be okay. I object to this whole not smiling thing. Right, because driver's license is now, too, yes. right? Well, and... I smi my last license, I'm smiling. The but. rule is also unclear. 
sometimes they say you can smile and sometimes they say you can't. So in my passport photo, I'm smiling. I know how to smile for a picture. That I have down. Not smiling for a picture. Not, not no, so much. You, you, don't, you have a resting smile face. Yes. I'm just going to leave it at that. You know it's what I'm true. saying? Like when you're, when you're just doing your day-to-day thing, even if you know, you're alone, I'm sure you still have a pleasant I, look. I look, I look more, probably more pleasant than my attitude. It's the other way around. You have to be careful. I take that. I choose that over <laughs> the opposite. So I know how to smile, but not smiling I'm not great at. And sometimes I'll prepare with the smizing and the whatnot yes. and be ready when I get to the driver's license mm-hmm. place, yeah. to the DMV, to not smile. And then they say, it's fine to smile. And I'm like, oh, well, oh, now yeah. I got to do a last minute smile. And I, get, I freak out a little bit, but it all turned out yeah. right. And you can't, you know, you have to just, you do the initial smile like a second before they take the picture. Otherwise, otherwise you have sort of, you have like stuck smile. Well, you looked at that, that horror movie. Yeah, you can't have smile. stuck smile. Yeah, okay. Rictus smile. Yes, rictus. That's, that's vocab, guys. That's good. How um, are you? I'm good. I had, so... So my husband is off working in Florida doing help with recovery and wow. and whatnot. So he is busy living in a tent and doing whatever he Making can. Making himself useful, though. Yes. So we are on our own up here, but his parents were coming to visit this weekend. So he happened, unfortunately, to to leave while they were coming in, which is a bummer because they, they missed him and he missed them. But they, of course, still coming to hang out with the grandkids and, and get some quality time in. And we got to debut the Murphy bed in the guest room for the first guests. And it went pretty well, I gotta say. (laughs) So two people in that Murphy bed. And it's just a solid regular bed. In fact, when you have two people, there's no fear of that's true. Getting trapped in there. Although I was on it, I was like sitting on it yesterday because I'm too lazy to put it back up yet. You didn't yeah. (laughs) And so I was sitting on it because now I, I have an office for the first time since the baby was born. Nice. And I'm like, this is great for my, you know, my hips and my posture and everything. I'll sit in my chair and work at my desk. No, I left the bed down and I sat on the bed like I do all the time when I'm working, which exacerbates all the problems. So, but it went well. That is not good for your back. (laughs) It's not good at all. It went well. There's a little gap between the mattress and the wall that mm-hmm. we need to like, sure. get some more pillows to stuff in there so, there so that you're not falling that uh, way. Depends so on that, how tall you are. We've got to work on that. But but really a, a good experience. I made I made dinner for the kids and, and my in-laws. And nice. What did you make? I made some tilapia. Wow. I know. It sounds, it sounds fancier than it is. <laughs> I just bread it and throw it in the air fryer. Oh, nice. it's not, oh, but it does nice. turn out very nice. So I made some, it makes I made for some a nice food. And then we realized that due to the construction, the dining room light doesn't work anymore. Oh. So I'm trying to serve children and Steve's parents in a dining room that's like completely dark because at this point it's both raining and getting to be dusk outside. But my father-in-law, as Steve's dad would be, very resourceful, goes to the garage and he's like, I'm sure Steve has something for this. And so we put a camping light in the Uh. middle, camping lantern in the middle of the Middle nice. of the table and had a nice tilapia dinner in the rain. Excellent. With our Excellent. little camping light. So it all it all turned out fine. Wonderful. Yeah. I don't... Tilapia is a nice fish, by the way. But it, 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 it gets a bad rap because it's probably from China. But Oh really? <laughs> you really should look at where the tilapia is. I, I didn't is from. know that. <laughs> I'm sure well, yours was fine. As far as yeah. I'm concerned, mine's from Costco. Oh good. Yeah, yeah, Costco, sure. So, sure all right. No let's problems. talk about some news. 
But first, a quick word from our sponsor. From the grocery store to the gas station, working families are getting hammered by rising prices. But instead of focusing on inflation, Congress is pushing anti-innovation legislation that will impose more financial burdens on working people and seniors. Their misguided agenda could cost public pension plans $109 billion. Teachers, firefighters, and nurses would pay the heaviest price. Congress needs to focus on inflation and leave American workers alone. Should we talk about some news? Mm. Oh, there's here we go. There's there's stuff going on in the Wh- state of Georgia. Oh man, where to begin? In the state of Georgia, I told Vic that I have trouble talking about Herschel Walker yeah. as a Senate candidate because my entire life he has been a demigod. As a University of Georgia fan, it's it's hard to communicate how ubiquitous his image is, how much everyone who's connected to the state of Georgia knows mm-hmm. about him. His name recognition when he got into the race was over 98%. I mean, it is, it's just, everyone knows. And everyone knows most things about him if they are over the age of 35. Right. And even under that, and People I think, remember him really for his college career, not his yes, after college. His college career was pretty phenomenal. His pro career, yeah. you know. He did a I think stint a, in the USFL. Some, some, some squandered potential yeah. there. But at any rate, he's a demigod. So it's hard for me to do the political analysis because I recognize that being a football player, demigod in the state of Georgia and a Senate candidate are different things, even though celebrities can make quite good candidates because they have this 98% name recognition. But Walker has a lot of baggage, has had some mental health issues, has had some, some relationship issues that pretty much everybody knew would come to the fore at some point. And here we are in October, and so they are coming to the fore. We had a Daily Beast piece this week. An October surprise. Yes. So if you grew up in Georgia and you knew everyone knew, as you were saying, Herschel Walker, is this really a surprise to them? Or is it, oh, they're finally talking about it now? Because, and even for people who aren't familiar, I mean, again, you and I were chatting about how this abortion story that came out in the the Daily Beast, that this is something that came out two years ago? So this is something we've known for a while, the yeah. idea that, that he paid for someone to have an abortion, which is just like a bummer of a storyline to start with right. on our show Sorry. today. Good morning. We'll, yes. we'll go some different directions in a minute. But I, I did think that we had known this before. That doesn't mean it's common knowledge and that it's right. that everyone right. didn't. I'm sure there were p- plenty of people who didn't know this before now. Right. And then on Twitter, his son, mm-hmm. Christian, went off about this story and like called his dad a liar. Yeah. And so obviously that gives it all this more steam. Yeah. Not, it's not good. It's not good. And yet he still may win because he's Herschel Walker and it's the state of Georgia. Well, yes, that's right. The difference, I think, in the Daily Beast story is the documentation, right? And they really spoke to this woman who they did, they did not reveal, but there's a lot of granular detail about the circumstances. They got this get well card. They have a receipt for 700. He, he somehow, he overpaid for her. I don't think the proper term is forced her to get, because it's not China, right? It right, didn't right. force her. You must get it. I mean, at the end, she made that decision as well, but it certainly doesn't reflect well on him because no. of his position on no exceptions to abortion right. beginning now. And you've, and you've, Branded yourself as a yeah, family man. That's right. And that's part of the right. the candidacy. And I was asking you about, you know, for the Democrats in the position they're in, which is the only thing they can do is point out that Herschel Walker is a, is a hypocrite. Right. They can't actually say, oh, he did this terrible thing because they're fine with they don't think the actually. Thing is, they don't think the thing itself. is terrible. Right. Um, 
I think the that Christian Walker joining the conversation helps because that that just adds to the sort of chaotic right. nature of mm-hmm. and that, that's what October surprises are all about. Like yeah. is, if the ick factor and the chaotic nature yeah. is high enough, which in this case it is mm-hmm. very quite high, it's, then people just go Ooh, right. and and they don't think much more about it. It's October. It's late in the game. And that's that's kind of the effect you're looking for. It is. And, and the Walker campaign and Herschel Walker himself have taken the position of this is a lie and right. they're denying it. And in fact, you know, uh, we still have yet to know who this, the woman is, if she's going to come out and, but that's their position is they're going to hold firm on this. And he, and Walker from day one has been, you know, on the defensive about so many things in his life, as you know, and yet he's still neck and neck with well, Raphael Warnock. And I think much like, much like with Biden, I think yeah. the better approach to these things is to say, I'm really sorry. I was a different person then. Yeah. This is, you know, I've I've grown a lot since then. These are the things I was going through at the time. And just be upfront about it, but I know that that's not how politics work. But I do think it, ironically, it puts you in a better position. I mean, he's often. taken that position with regard to violence against women and talking about his mental condition and how he has worked through that. Right. And, and that, as he calls it, painful part yes. of, of his past. But yeah, I agree that yeah, the, the, the best thing for him to do is if it's true, yes. to own up to it. But yes, the, the fundamentals remain that Biden's approval lo- levels are very low. He is a Republican and he is Herschel Walker. And so, yeah. by, by the way, the New York Times, this is, a, this is a whole other kind of misbehavior. The New York Times sent a white reporter down to, down to Georgia to report on how Herschel Walker's not black enough this week. So that's yeah, a, that's perfectly that's fine. A, that's a story that doesn't get pitched no. for a Democratic candidate. Let me tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you. By the way, and this is like, again, aside from aside from the story of the day, mm-hmm. he's not just a black man. He's a black man who was raised in the mid-century in a small town in South Georgia. Yeah. Like that's a, much like Clarence Thomas, they're just like, oh, no, no, that doesn't count. I'm pretty sure that counts, even if you're coming to different political conclusions. Yeah, no, it's a great story that is never going to be played up. I was thinking you were talking about October surprises and how far we've come now in 2022. Do you remember the October surprise of 2000? Do you remember? For... Was this the DUI one? Yes. Yes. To think that that might be a reason oh to God. disqualify somebody for being president of the United States when George W. Bush was caught at, I guess it was, was it Kennebunkport? Uh-huh. Come a long way, baby. Had gotten a DUI when he was younger and still drinking and that was the news that was it and he and he was driving with the tennis champion john newcomb oh <laughs> it's a little, t- a little trivia john newcomb i had forgotten who i once then, who i once met then of course there was the fraudulent october surprise of four years later with dan rather oh man and the uh, the fake yeah, yeah. the that's fake right. documentation that's for the right. air yeah. national guard that's right all righty let's move on to another georgia story Stacey Abrams, who is, as you know, the incumbent governor of Georgia. <laughs> just kidding. She's not. <laughs> I was nodding along because I'm so used to it being that. I'm just, I've, Brian, I've been conditioned. Brian Kemp is the governor of Georgia. He beat Stacey Abrams in that matchup head to head in 2018. They are matched up again. But since 2018, Stacey Abrams has contended a little bit less loudly lately that she actually won that race. That, That's that right. she's. She's what they'd call an election denier if she were Republican, but that's not what we call her. We call her a superstar, future of the party. That's what we call her. It was very hip in 2016 and 2018 to say that these elections were rigged and stolen. 
Uh, yes. By the yes. way. And then we, then we changed our minds about that. In so, 2020, it's no longer. There was a lawsuit filed by Fair Fight Action shortly after the 2018 election. Which she's affiliated with. Which, yes, which she is a, a part of on behalf of Ms. Abrams' conspiracy theories to prove that not only was Georgia messing this up, but it was unconstitutional. They had prevented all these people from voting. Yeah, suppression. Turns out a federal judge says after all of this, and this is many, many iterations of these complaints mm-hmm. in this in this series of lawsuits, a, an Obama-appointed judge, just so you know, yep. although Georgia's election system is not perfect, the judge says, the challenged practices violate neither the Constitution nor the Voting Rights Act. So there's that. And they complained about a, a bunch of stuff. There was one, like they complained about things like the exact match issue, mm-hmm. which is that if your name doesn't match what's in the database, you have to, you get flagged. But you're still That's allowed right. to vote and it becomes a provisional ballot. The judge's point was, nowhere during any of this have I found that anyone was unable to vote. So how would that burden be high if, in fact, it didn't keep anybody from voting? And that was his conclusion. That's right. People were inconvenienced, right? If you had shown up and your name on the voter roll or your name on your mail-in ballot did not match who you are. Right. You could go and you just bring your ID and they would reconcile that and you'd be able to vote. And as you said, and as the judge said, nobody actually said I was unable to vote because of this exact match problem. Yes, it's a 288 page decision. The question throughout is, are, are any of these challenges, is it in the state's interest to use these verification processes to make sure that voting is legit? Mm-hmm. And is it a serious burden on the voters? And he basically found this is not a serious burden and the state has an interest in making sure that all of this is clean. They, he did find that in the case of flagging felons, that that got burdensome for a couple of people because a couple of people were wrongly flagged uh-huh. and so. they had to fight to be able mm-hmm. to vote. Unfortunately, that happened in Democratic counties. So yeah, suing, Fulton, those, I think. suing those counties not as beneficial as That's going right. after Brian Kemp in the Republican-led state of Georgia. She lost. She lost and now she's lost again. And by the way, at, at this and, point, actually, she contends that she did never say she wasn't conceding, but it's very, very clear. We'll play the clip oh. for you guys of what she said in 2018. Good. I acknowledge that former Secretary of State Brian Kemp will be certified as the victor in the 2018 gubernatorial election. But to watch an elected official who claims to represent the people in this state baldly pin his hopes for election on the suppression of the people's democratic right to vote has been truly appalling. So let's be clear, this is not a speech of concession. Because concession means to acknowledge an action is right, true, or proper. As a woman of conscience and faith, I cannot concede that. Now she's like, no, she's talking about irregularities. No, you aren't. No, No, you aren't. And of course, that is her spin now when she was on The View. And she said, of course, I never said that he didn't, you know, win the election. I didn't. I never. But she never really quite conceded, did she? I I don't. To this day, I don't think she has. In fact, I I believe the quote in her post-election speech was, I am not conceding or this is not a concession. Well, I have. Yeah. Despite the tally and the inauguration, she says, I do have one very affirmative statement to make. We won. Mm. Well, make of that what you will. But she's trailing. By a fair number of points, percentage points, Brian Kemp, the incumbent Republican governor. And I think at future this of the point, future Voice of the of par- a generation. At this point in October, with about a month to go, I think everything holds still. This doesn't count for the Herschel Walker well, campaign, by the way. Well, but no, everything else, and I'll be interested to see what no, those poll but numbers are. But here's the thing about Kemp. Yeah. 
Kemp zigged when she thought he was going to zag. He stood up to Trump, which is mm-hmm. why independent voters right, in the state of Georgia, this. in a different way than they react to Walker, who has other issues, but like that we have already discussed, independent voters are more likely to respond to him right. for that reason. And by the way, somebody tweeted today, like, if indeed in this very Republican-leaning year, you get a bunch of Republican candidates handpicked by Trump, championed by him, although mm-hmm. not with money, mm-hmm. doesn't give them any money, that end up in the end losing, how does one argue that he needs to be the leader of the party? Right, right. And then Herschel Walker is another one who was, you know, handpicked, yeah. you know, as a Trump favorite. And uh, there are a lot of candidates who got the Trump endorsement and then, then he's gone yeah. and he's not actually helping them in any way, as you just mentioned. But the interesting thing is, if Kemp is leading and people go to the polls and vote for Kemp, how many of those voters are going to do a split ticket, right? Are they going to go, how many voters are going to go Brian Kemp for governor and then Raphael Warnock right. for senator? Well, now I have, I don't know. I have I, heard about these voters and they have been reported upon. Mm-hmm. Now, it must be said that reporters are highly incentivized to find those voters yeah. because they want to believe they yeah. exist, right? But I do think they're out there. Yeah. And I think Walker has understandably given people doubts, right? right? So that that is that makes sense to me that there would be some of that by the way all of this goes back to this is who i'm gonna be i'm just i'm gonna i'm gonna deflect on this because i don't because <laughs> i have trouble talking junk about herschel walker all of this goes back to trump telling every voter every republican voter in the state of georgia during a runoff in 2020 for two senate seats mm-hmm. that their votes didn't matter yeah yeah oops and, and now you got two blue mm-hmm. seats in the state of Georgia, and clawing them back was always going to be difficult, and we may have made it more difficult for ourselves. Yes. What Go I think dogs. Is, what, I, <laughs> what I think might happen is rather than a split ticket, they'll just leave it blank, you know? So they'll yep. vote for Kemp, but they might not make a right, decision because they can't get themselves the to actually vote for yeah. Raphael Warnock. All righty, yeah. folks. That's Georgia right yeah. now. That's Georgia. But I do hope this... <laughs> So really, the pressure is really on Dr. Roz now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do hope this Great. puts to rest the Abrams gubernatorial career. Like, I, think, I think it will be really put to rest in about a month. But this nonsense, not only is she an election denier, she's been suing over it for four yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just and she lost the other again. side that sues. Losing everywhere. Are you tired of losing it? Anyway, <laughs> let's go to New York. Mm. And this is our, the education beat. Oh, right. Okay. So in New York at NYU, there's a professor of organic chemistry. Now, I don't know if you remember this from college, mm-hmm. Vic, or anything from college. But I, I think after the first month after that, it's a haze. Yeah. And me. understandably. Organic chemistry, even at my, my little state school, the University of Georgia, okay. was known as a class that you oh. take because you aspire to be... A doctor. Yes. And if you wash out of it, your chances of being a doctor mm-hmm. go down a lot. Okay. Yeah, so that was, right. I, we always knew that. That's and I had friends who, I had a lacrosse teammate who took it like three times. She was like, I am going to do it. I am getting past this. She's now an ER doc. I think she's pretty good at it. Orgo, they called it. We hope. Anyway. <laughs> the practice, by the way, the practice where I now go to, one of the partners in the medical practice is a classmate of mine. And I'm pretty sure he did very well in organic chemistry. Okay, there you go. He is not my personal doctor. Too weird. Too weird. I do think because of this story, you might want to flag NYU doctors from 2020. Right, if you see their diploma on the wall. 
Here, here, here it goes. In the field of organic chemistry, Maitland Jones Jr. has a storied reputation. He taught the subject for decades, first at Princeton, then at New York University, and wrote an influential textbook. Literally wrote the book. He received awards for his teaching, as well as recognition as one of NYU's coolest professors. But last spring, as the campus emerged from pandemic restrictions, 82 of his 350 students signed a petition against him. Just for the record, because mm-hmm. I can do a little math. That is less than a quarter of those students. Students said the high-stakes course, notorious for ending many a dream of medical school, was too hard blaming Dr. Jones for their poor test scores. The professor defended his standards, but just before the start of this fall semester, university deans terminated Dr. Jones's contract. And I thought, maybe there's something else to this. Let me read through the whole story. Uh Surely he can't have been fired because he was mean to a bunch of snowflakes. Nope. The snowflakes are winning. You know what? Yeah, please continue. I, it is. Look, it confirms a lot of my biases that this is happening. So I want to be careful about it, which is why I read the whole story to make sure that I was not misreading yeah. it. But it does indeed sound like mm-hmm. he's a gruff dude. He's in his 80s. He's a gruff dude who runs a hard course on purpose, mm-hmm. but a good course because it, they note that, that he relies less on rote memorization and more on problem solving than other mm-hmm. organic chemistry classes, which seems to me a useful quite thing. a good thing. Right. But it's very tough. And a bunch of students were like, we don't like it. We don't like that this is tough. And the university was like, let us hold your hands. Now let us fire him. The two toughest courses I had in high school were calculus, because I'm just not good at math. Honors calculus. Well, there's, there was AP calculus. That's even scarier. And I'm glad I, in, I didn't I choose that. I was in that. Oh, you are a smart, you know. You know, as they say, you know I was just a good student. I wasn't good at math. Mm-hmm. I just knew how to do school. Yeah, as John Podhortz used to say, when God was dishing out brains, he gave you seconds. That's what he did. <laughs> so I did not do well in, I mean, I did fine in calculus, but I didn't like it. The other class was chemistry. And I had a very hard teacher, Mr. Haran. And the result of that is I realized I should not be going into something science related if I am not really good at it, or I don't enjoy it, but really right. a combination of both. It's not, well, the the solution is to get rid of the teacher because, you know, I want to be a doctor and, you know, you know, parents shouldn't keep their kids back, let them live their dream, whatever they want to do. Yeah. And it, I mean, I wonder how much of that is built into this, Well, and, right? And you got to let your kids By the way, this has gotten to the New York Times, you know, it's like a, yeah, it's a real it's thing because they're not inclined to want to report this kind of dynamic. But they say, you know, this is a case study of the pressures on higher education as it tries to handle its Gen Z student body. And the Gen Z student body has different expectations. And then they were also, by the way, this is a bit of a problem of NYU's making because they, of course, did remote school yep. forever when they didn't really need to because they had a bunch of young, healthy people. And now those young, healthy people are convinced that they're very, very sick and have real mm-hmm. anxiety issues and and mental health struggles because... There are still some schools, including, years. you know, until recently, maybe up to now, even at Georgetown, a student was telling me they still have to wear cl- masks indoors. Of course they do. So he... The other thing is that now, now people have stuck up for the professor, the entire chemistry, mo- much of the chemistry... Yeah. Faculty has stuck up for him, all of them tenured, so they should be right. good. He was on contract, so oh. that's why he could be let go. They stuck up for him. He pointed out that he spent a lot of his own money putting his lectures on video for the pandemic so that he could mm-hmm. help these students out. He reduced the difficulty mm-hmm. of his exams. Grades continued to fall. Yeah. He said after the pandemic in the last two years, they fell off a cliff. 
we now see single-digit scores and even zeros. He makes a point that many students just misread problems. Like the lack of concentration yeah. is so great that they're misreading the entire yeah. gist of the problem. Are these people you want operating on you? Well, that is the question, isn't it? I'm I'm up for the idea that institutional schooling is not mm -hmm. always the best way to get education, right? And that hard-ass teachers mm -hmm. are not always going to get the best out of their students. Sometimes a little bit nurturing mm -hmm. is good. Mm -hmm. But do I think there needs to be a a washout class for becoming a doctor? Like, maybe so. Yeah. It's, I feel like the bar should be pretty high. My, my father, who went to a medical school in the Philippines, told me, you know, how you start with, like, hundreds of kids who want to go and become a doctor. And by the time you graduate, maybe it's 20, 30, you know, and everybody, it's too much. And there's a reason why it's, again, too much. We're not supposed to be catering to make things easier for yes. them. yes. You, you want somebody who's going to be the best at this because of what you are dealing well, with. The, it's not let, journalism. Let these <laughs> students push back on that. Yeah. Said, when, when he pushed the students' grades down, noting egregious misconduct, he said, that, by the way, there was cheating as well mm -hmm. in order to try to get through this. He said they protested. Oh, wait, no, this is Kent Kirschenbaum, another chemistry professor, said he discovered cheating during online tests. And when he pushed students' grades down, noting the egregious misconduct, he said they protested that, quote, they were not given grades that would allow them to get into medical school. No, you did not earn grades that allowed you to get into medical school. Those are two different things. This is from the petition itself. We urge you to realize. I like that. It's so, so condescending from a bunch of 19-year-olds. We urge you to realize, the petition said, that a class with such a high percentage of withdrawals and low grades has failed to make students' learning and well-being a priority and reflects poorly on the chemistry department as well as the institution as a whole. We are very concerned about our scores and find that they are not an accurate reflection of the time and effort put into the class. Participation scores! Yes, and, and that pervades the education system all the way down to at least the middle school level. Oh, yeah. We received an email about the new sort of grading system at school. Now, this is done for other reasons because this is called equity and grading. And so what the, there's no more zeros. The, the worst you can do is a 50. Oh, yeah. The, some emails just came out from vaunted Fairfax County Public Schools. Ah. Showing that they, in fact, just just changed the grade scale so mm -hmm. that zeros don't exist anymore. Yeah. Oh, and, and no more late assignments. You don't get penalized for handing oh, in wow. your homework wow. late. So, by the way, students also said they were shell-shocked by this experience. Shell-shocked. That's a, that's quite like, a... Like, like, like in World War I. Well, like, is, you know, in the trenches. That's the word the New York Times mm -hmm. has chosen mm -hmm. to explain this. It was like uh, the Battle of the Somme. It was. It was. I was... You were there. It was that bad. Woo! They also said that they didn't actually want him fired and didn't ask for him to be fired, which is another problem with this. School administrations are so afraid yeah. of students that instead of telling them some version of, like, look... You actually do have to work hard in this class. Mm -hmm. He's a very trusted teacher, a very good teacher, and we want you to learn these things. Maybe we'll talk to him about his tone. <laughs> like you could, yeah. there are things you could do. They up and fire the guy. Yeah. And he says, look, I was going to retire anyway. I don't need the job back, but I would like this to not happen to anyone else. And the professors wisely say, hey, guys, <laughs> a bunch of other contract professors probably look at this and go, I need to lower the bar because I'm going to get fired if a bunch of students get mad yeah, at me. That's right. A professor friend of mine who is a contributor to the Free Beacon told me, most professors are great. The problem is the administrators. And there are more and more administrators. So many of them. Now. This is a huge problem. And they need education. to do things. And they, and they, gotta, just, they yeah. just bend the knee immediately. Yeah.
immediately. This whether, is, whether, whatever yeah. kind of cancel culture issue it is, they just go, oh, my gosh. And it, by the way, it swings two ways where some, if you're going to a high paid private school, the students have a lot of control because the students and parents, if they're abetting the students, which they shouldn't be in this case, mm-hmm. pay a lot of money. So they're mm-hmm. the customers who so want to make them happy. On the other end of the scale, you have public school kids who are not customers at all and as a result get a very bad experience, right? So you've yeah. got, we can't, our society cannot figure out which side of the pendul- pendulum no. it ever wants to be on. And we're no. just swinging wildly no. No. from side to side. You, you know, we have to be willing to both pay and have it be hard. Yes. But they don't feel that way, obviously. That's what makes it elite, guys. Yeah. Also, that's I was going to say, that's how that's supposed you know, to work. college, you're supposed to have hard, I'm not saying every co- class in, in college has to be hard, but you do have to have hard courses. You know, I had, at least I had hard courses. By the way, I, there's a, there's a, my third, third graders teacher is pretty tough this year. <laughs> and I'm, I'm having to wrestle with some of my own inability to remember what the heck we're mm-hmm. supposed to be doing this week and doing out, outside projects and juggling them with my own stuff. Not that I do them for her. I make her do the work, but I, I'm just saying we got, we got to keep on track. But like, she's nine. Mm-hmm. You know, some parents have issues with the tougher teachers and various grades. But yeah. like, by the time you get to college, guys, and you're paying good money for that class, mm-hmm. you got to do the work. Yeah. You got to do the work. It's the whole point. It's just Except so... Except don't see it like, that way. I... I don't want to be infantilizing to college students because I enjoy talking to them and I generally have a great time on college campuses. Uh-huh. But it's hard not to be infantilizing when so many very loud, the loudest mm-hmm. ones act like giant babies. Mm-hmm. Just like right. so much more babies than my nine-year-old, by the way. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it's also that sense of, you know, entitlement. And if they've been no, getting I love that line great, about, easy grades we've, all this we've time, not been why given... shouldn't they get that? Up to we've we've not been lives. given the grades that would get us yeah. into medical school. Exactly, exactamundo. You have nailed it. <laughs> this is really depressing. Oh my gosh! What an Woo. uplifting episode. What else we got? I know, I know, we're killing it today. Okay, well here's here's a turn for you. I did want to talk about some of the polling. Oh yeah, turns mm-hmm. that are that are happening it's very these days. interesting. So we have Tom Bevan noticed he's real clear politics noticed nice it in the Monmouth poll showed a 10-point swing in favor of the GOP on the mm-hmm. generic ballot over the last month. That's a lot. The Monmouth poll was more friendly to the GOP than other polls. Nonetheless, it is a pretty pretty notable development. And then we have in the Gallup poll, GOP plus 20 on project, protecting the U.S. against terrorism and plus 10 on keeping the na- nation prosperous. As I said, I think like in the last month, Expect the focus to remain the economy mm-hmm. and inflation. You can't get away from it. And I just don't think that the other issues, even Dobbs, have the, the staying power to prevent that. I was going to say, it's a good thing that in the media, the focus is on the uh, lack of a really good response to Hurricane Ian by a certain governor. Okay, that's the first, first thing. The by, the sec- way, by the way, they're covering it that less than... I thought that would be, which means that it's going okay. I saw a headline. Nothing's going to be perfect. I saw a network headline, but- which is... Questions grow. About who? Sure. And then the other the other issues I would say are Herschel Walker and the Oath Keepers. Mm-hmm. I know a lot about the Oath Keepers. But the, the polling, as you say, is interesting. I, the GOP, the summer swoon is over. And I think at this point, by and large, if you don't count certain things like what's happening in Georgia with Herschel Walker, <laughs> I hate to keep on breaking him up, voters are pretty much locked in yeah. with who they want to vote for. 
in October. I don't think anything else is going to change your mind, except for the, the situation continues to wor worsen. If you look at housing growth, for example, and any other of these large economic indicators that continue to show us that you know there is a recession and it's getting worse, and the Democrats are beginning to acknowledge this. I just saw Elizabeth Warren on TV saying that she fears, she's very worried that the Fed will push us into a recession. Not not President Biden or well, the Inflation Reduction that. Act or the, the the second you know the COVID stimulus or pumping all this money in student debt. That's not the reason or anything like that. It really is the Fed's fault. And people do fine. You want to blame the Fed for their policy right. and how it's at loggerheads with whatever the Democrats are trying to accomplish. Whatever the fact is, people are unhappy. They're, they look back, are you better off than you were two years ago? And the answer is going to be no. And that's what's ever on everybody's mind. It's yeah. not just abortion. No, it's, it's not. And then this is on CNN. This is Harry Anton talking about Democrats lagging with black mm -hmm. voters. Let's hear a little bit about that. So take a look here. This is black voters' electoral preferences in pre-election polling. Look, black voters are the part, the core part of the Democratic Party. And as you can see here in the race for Congress, look, they're still getting 74% support in the pre-election polling right now. But compare that to the final polling for 2020 president and 2018 Congress. Back in 2020, it was 84%, 85% in 2018. So you're clearly seeing right here that there is less support for Democratic candidates for Congress among African-Americans. And you can look at the Republican column as well, and you can see that 12%, not exactly high, but that's actually the high watermark. It was 9% in 2020, 9% in 2018. So basically what was about a 75, 76 point margin is now down in the low 60s. So look, Democrats still well ahead with African-Americans, but in a game in which you're trying to drive up margins, the margin among African-Americans for Democrats is clearly down. So what's going on here? What's the cause of this? You know, there's a lot of things that could be going on. And the truth of the matter is when you look across polling, it's actually kind of hard to build up a large enough sample size to really dig in a lot of questions. But I think that this kind of gets at the core part of it. Take a look at Joe Biden's approval rating among black adults. If you go back to January to June of 2021, look how high it was. It's 87%, 87% basically matching what he got in the 2020 election. But look at that approval rating now in August and September of 2022. It's all the way down to 64%. Now, obviously, Joe Biden's approval rating with all Americans is down, but it's not down by anywhere near this amount, this 23-point drop among all Americans. It's only down about 10 to 15 points. So there is a disproportionate drop in Joe Biden's approval rating among African Americans. And I think that's kind of driving why you're seeing Democrats running for Congress getting a significantly lower margin than we're used to seeing. Yeah, that is huge. That is a huge drop there. Yeah. Well ahead does not cut it. No. In uh, this particular demographic for a competitive year. What are their concerns, right? Their, 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 their pocketbook concerns yeah. more than anything else. I get a kick out of when you see these things on social media where they report, just as this is reporting here about the latest polls, like Tom Bevins and everybody else's polls, Real Clear Monmouth or whatever, and they talk about minority support lagging in, among Democrats as opposed to previous years. And you'll often see somebody responding, some sort of a white liberal saying, why do these people continue to vote oh, against always. their interests? Yes. They're voting against their, you know, <laughs> great. Keep thinking that. The other thing to keep- It's such in, a nice way to address people too. Yes. Not, not, not yeah. speaking of infantilizing. Yeah. The other thing that, that, that others have been noting, and it's worth noting here on the show, is the discrepancy in the polling with uh, the sampling 
of voters with college degree versus non-degree, right? And so if you look at, for example, in the Ohio race, and this is not my people have been talking about, this is not just me, but in the Ohio race with J.D. Vance versus Tim Ryan, Vance maybe is up one point, one, two points, but you'll notice that in the polls themselves, the number of people who have college degrees are overrepresented as per what it really is like in the state of Ohio. And as a result, his lead is probably larger yeah. among those who will vote actually in a midterm election, right? Yeah. It's just the, worth keeping in mind. Yes. Well, the thing for Democrats is it is not enough to do well mm -hmm. or to beat Republicans in these demographics. They have to wipe the floor yeah. with Republicans in these demographics, right. particularly in an mm -hmm. off year where it's harder to do. Now, we may have handicapped ourselves enough in Georgia that that, mm -hmm. that happens in some cases, mm -hmm. but it's not going to happen everywhere. So I would say a really interesting bellwether is going to be California and a number of Republicans in House races who seem to be doing well. And Democrats like Karen Bass who seem to be in trouble. So, I mean, it's worth taking a look at that because if they're down, that'll be indicative. There's also in Virginia, there's a, a sort of what will likely end up being a bellwether, which is Allison Spanberger, who is a... Abigail, yeah. Uh, sorry, Abigail Spanberger, who's a, a Democrat who is moderate-ish or mm -hmm. plays the part on TV and has actually screamed at her uh, party's leaders behind closed doors and a little bit in public about, hey, maybe maybe not defund the police is our major message. Let's, let's right. go a different direction. She is up against a compelling family woman, Latina mm -hmm. candidate named Yesli Vega. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. And usually Virginia gets its results out fairly mm -hmm. quickly. So we may know something from that early in the night. And, and the other- That's central Virginia. The other candidate who's really great and dynamic and interesting is Hung Kao. Oh, yes. Versus, I believe he's running against Jennifer Wexton. Is that correct? Yes, also that's in correct. Virginia. And that would be a big deal. And that's also closer to uh, this Northern Virginia area. So we'll see how um, he does. All right. So that's our, well, the polling turns. Yes. I will say this one last As thing. As the polling turns. Well, one, one last thing, Mary Catherine, yes. and, and you're hearing it first and listeners are going to hear it first. At the end of the day, there really is only going to be one poll that matters and that's election day. <laughs> that's right. And lastly, a little bit of entertainment news today, Vic, about the movie Bros, which is a romantic comedy about gay guys finding love. Mm-hmm. It stars Billy Eichner, who is famous mostly for, like, yelling at people in Man on the Street interviews. Okay. However, I will say a point in this movie's favor. I watched the trailer, and it does not appear that he is exclusively yelling. He is, he's actually quite understated in the film. This movie came out this weekend, mm -hmm. did not do well. Mm -hmm. And Billy Eichner, who is a gay man, went to Twitter to say, you're all homophobes if you didn't come watch this movie. Now... That'll get him in. Yeah. So I'll, I'll read you this thread real quick. Last night, I snuck in and sat at the back of a sold-out theater playing Bros in L.A. The audience howled with laughter, start to finish, burst into applause at the end, and some were wiping away tears as they walked out. It was truly magical. Really, I am very proud of this movie. Rolling Stone already has Bros on the list of best comedies of the 21st century. I mean, wow, that seems premature. What's also <laughs> true is that at one point, a theater chain called Universal and said they were pulling the trailer because of the gay content. Universal convinced them not to, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's just the world we live in, unfortunately. Even with glowing reviews, great Rotten Tomato scores, an A cinema score, etc., straight people, especially in certain parts of the country, just didn't show up for bros, and that's disappointing, but it is what it is. Everyone who isn't a homophobic weirdo should go see bros tonight. You will have a blast. 
And it is special and uniquely powerful to see this particular story on a big screen, especially for queer folks who don't get this opportunity often. I love this movie so much. Go bros. Okay. I was told I needed to go see Avatar in 3D on a big screen. I get it. There's a reason for that versus watching on a TV. Seeing bros on a big screen? Was there any uh, sort of special effects I mean, except, going on? Except that the guy playing opposite uh, opposite Billy Eichner is, is Luke not, McFarlane and is super hot. And maybe is you he want to also see him. gay or he's not gay? I, I, I don't know. He's, okay. a, he's a Hallmark staple, which is how I know him best. Okay. I said to myself, I know that guy. Yes. And that's how I know him. Look. So I, I, for, for listeners, I, I can't. Did you mention how much it did over the weekend? Because I think it, it was about five. It's like five four, million. Yeah, five I think. million. Yeah. And it was on a lot of screens and it had good reviews. I watched the trailer. I did not know about this movie until he got mad at all of us, which seems like a problem because I am probably in the plausible demographic. Mm -hmm. I watched Neil Patrick Harris find love in a gay rom-com on Netflix a couple weeks ago. It was was fine. I'm there for it. It wasn't my favorite show, but it was good. And Neil Patrick Harris is is charming. So I, I didn't know about this. The trailer did not make me laugh, I must say. You and weren't it, howling. No, and it no. seemed like a lot of the story is based on Eigner's character's deep insecurity, which didn't seem that fun to me uh-huh. because the other dude's really hot, uh-huh. so it's all about him trying to figure out if he's worthy of being with this person. It also takes place, much of it, according to the trailer, in the creation of an LGBTQ plus museum space that Eigner's character is creating. So it's not just a... This is the thing, is like, if it's about people and stories and love, but it's clearly about a movement. Now, if that's the case, that's a choice you've made, and it is going to limit your audience yeah, to some you, degree. But, you know, I mean, it's, it was so on the nose. I was yeah, like, I was really? going to say, don't beat me over the head with it. I mean, anytime <laughs> you try to explicitly push a message, it usually doesn't work as well as something that's subtle. The other thing I would say is, you cannot blame people for not wanting to see a movie just because oh, it's they're homophobes. Yes. Because there are plenty of gay movies out there that have done very well. And not just the critics, but everybody seemed yeah. to have liked the movie. If you want to talk about Philadelphia. Right. Right? With 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 Tom Hanks. Although now he's in trouble because he played a gay guy. And that's, yeah, well, that's, yeah. You're not, and Antonio Banderas, and neither of them are gay. The Birdcage. Oh, right? yeah. Which it's a great I one. still consider to be one of the funniest movies of yeah. all time. Brokeback Mountain, of course, did very well. But lots of gay movies, Lord of the Rings. So, you know, anyway. He, and then here's the thing, too, is that everybody. The thing about Eigner is that he's he's not his persona is not as a nice dude. Did you find yeah. did I miss a joke? Yeah. I, I, I slipped it in there. That's okay. It's fine. I bet it's you fine. did. Don't worry. Yeah. All right. <laughs> no, but there was another but there's another movie called Fire Island and that went straight to streaming. That's fine if you're into it, you know, but don't try to assume that this is going to be the next, you know, Gone with the Wind or whatever. It's, Sorry, you know, I was researching I know you, Billy you, know, tweets I said, I but Jennifer's looking at me because I, I said miss, I threw that out there and Vic, Vic hates it when I miss a dirty it's joke, okay. you it's know. Okay. No, it wasn't um, dirty. It was it was it was it was it was very mild that. <laughs> So the thing about Eichner yeah. is that his persona is not exactly as a nice dude. Like his persona is oh. that he sort of harasses people mm. and messes with them. And his actual, like beyond the persona, his Twitter personality and political stance is I hate everyone who disagrees with me. So yeah. it's like the people started pulling up tweets that are all oh, caps. Boy. Get your fictional, hateful Bible stories and your mm-hmm. fake fictional religious yep. bullshit out of our effing lives. F you. Well, come on down and pay $15 for a movie ticket. Like these two things don't go together. You have to, you have to expect there's going to be some, some fallout from Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) And then people might not be super eager to jump into the theater. And there there tends not to be a 
a jump from one weekend to the next. So right. I anticipate there's usually a 40% drop. Look, I'll, pro- I'll probably watch it on streaming. Unless, like, Eichner is such a jerk about it that I would rather watch, <laughs> I end up like, not watching it. If, if the birdcage is on, I'm going to watch. Because well, no matter where you are in that movie, it's always good. Fantastic. It's very good. Fantastic. Very good. But, of course, but I don't know if that movie could be done now. Because yeah. they would say, oh, it's about two old queens. Probably. You know what I mean? And it's not like. you got, We got to stop with this. Like oh, movies. On. The only reason people aren't watching movies is because such and such demographic. It's right. like that's not actually the case. Chasing after. When you make a really good movie, no. people watch. Like Black Panther is a perfect example mm-hmm. of not at all ending up mm-hmm. serving a niche audience. I mean, everyone loved that movie. Yeah. Because it was a fantastic movie. A good movie is a good movie. Yeah. Anyway, if you ask me a favorite favorite comedy of the last, I don't know, 20 years, one of them would be Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, that is a great movie. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Oldie but a goodie. That. It is old now. It doesn't feel old, but it is. Yes. (laughs) And my mind, it's still, they're all still fresh. That wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. A quick correction. The magic song that is used in the pharma commercial is by Pilot and came out in 1974. Thank you, Stephen, for emailing our new email address to tell me that. ELO has a song called Strange Magic from 1975. My apologies. So correction on that. Stephen's got us under control here. You can also write us hammered at nebulouspodcasts, plural, dot com, nebulouspodcasts.com. That's hammered at nebulouspodcasts.com. We would love to hear from you. Also, a programming note. I will be guest hosting Barry Weiss's podcast, honestly, probably this week in another episode in the near future. So check that out. Give us a review if you feel like it. I hope you guys are great. Don't get fired from your professor job or your teaching job for, you know, making students do work. Just be careful out there, guys. Gen Z is powerful. Out to get you. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. (laughs) 